value chain. One of the, I guess, big, well, maybe latest additions by way of big competitor to the supermarket chains, Food Lovers Market, uh, yeah, put out some information about how small businesses can be part of their supplier network. Some very interesting, I guess, uh, you know, things that they want to do with these suppliers. But I'm quite interested in your thoughts on this and uh, I guess uh, the ease or the difficulty with which many smaller players are able to access the shelf space and the supply chains of some of these players. Yeah, I, I, th- I think this is a fantastic initiative from uh, Food Lovers Market. I mean, they, uh, certainly that sector of the market, the agri-industry, uh, the production value chain, has got a lot of uh, uh, small-scale uh, producers that are probably uh, overlooked for opportunities in the bigger space and end up having to sell their produce at lower prices, maybe to the local market. And, and while that is positive, but I, I do think that access to a large-scale uh, retail platform would make a big difference. So I certainly think that the initiative called the Seat of Change is actually quite a fantastic one and i mean just the process here because one would think there's food health issues you know there's um depending on what you're selling i mean if, especially if it's the fresh stuff you need like an entire cold uh, chain facility um i mean it doesn't i guess come across as easy as it might look yeah, <laughs> yeah i mean they, they 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 put uh, and I think as companies do they they would put out a big uh, announcement that it looks like they're looking for one uh, uh, winner out of uh, uh, the, the the organization. Them this they said they received I think nine hundred applications and out of those they will probably uh, give twenty of the top ten or the top twenty businesses. They will attend workshop and, uh, and and gain some retail experience, and then beyond that, they will select the top ten who will then have a four uh, four day boot camp, uh, and from there they'll go to the, the out of the top ten they'll they'll then uh, choose a winner uh, in May 2022. Mm. So it's quite a, a a long process, but I guess if you've got uh, limited options, you could probably say you've got nothing to lose by, by participating. There are 900 uh, applicants and if you put your best foot forward, you might be the lucky one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of applicants. Uh, but I guess it's not only the people at the top who are going to get it because we've seen in past competitions some uh, of the uh, people who had ended up getting to the pitching phase also had some of their products in the, uh, subsequent to the competition uh, being listed there at Food Lovers Market. Uh, let's shift away from food retail to uh, logistics and I guess port logistics in particular. Transnet saying here they want to create a SPV uh, to operate their container terminals, 25-year type partnership. I don't know what you call this, Zuelak. Is it a partnership? Is it a concession? Is it? I'm not sure. Um, but I mean, what do you make of this? And more importantly, as an avenue to raise the capital that's needed just for repair and maintenance of some of this infrastructure, let alone any expansion of it. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a smart move uh, on, on two fronts. I mean, from a, one side, you need a, to raise capital. Mm. On the other side, you also need to get the, uh, a bit of independence to, to, to operationalize your plant and, and, and make the, 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 the port uh, a lot more efficient. Mm. So I, I do think that, that, that there could be a benefit there, but it depends on how this partnership is going to be structured. And the, the good thing about it is that 
you know, we, we are a country that imports a lot and we are a country that exports a lot. And your revenue stream may be relatively well predictable and that might give you a leg up when it comes to the cost of funding because, I mean, the, the risk is relatively lower. Mm. So, so I do think that uh, there could be benefits from, from, from this uh, whole uh, SPV. Yeah. There, there's always been concerns, certainly from people who are in, um, in businesses where they have to, you know, get their products through the ports or coming into the country via the ports um, about how slow sometimes things can be, how aged some of the infrastructure is, how inefficient some of the processes are. I mean, we saw a massive hack last year that effectively destabilized the, the Durban port for, you know, for a few days as well. Um, I mean, how, how urgent, just in the bigger scheme of things, is you know, this m- much-awaited port upgrade, not just of Eteguini, but even Mucha and many of the other ports? Yeah, I, I certainly think that uh, I mean they they should prioritize this. We we know that in the mining sector there were a lot of complaints, especially on the coal uh, uh, miners, saying that they were constrained from a capacity point of view to get their product out while the coal price was uh, at its at, at the current high levels. So I think the agency of it cannot be overemphasized. I mean, they're talking, I think, 2023, if I'm not mistaken. But, but I think if they could, they, they should have uh, accelerated that. I think that the, the, the bid evaluation would close in June mm. uh, 2022. But then, you know, the process to get it to implementation will probably take a little longer. So uh, I certainly think that while commodity prices are where they are, I mean, we've seen iron ore uh, uh, has uh, bounced back, uh, and we've seen coal prices going high, and the PGMs will probably pick up uh, as well. So the opportunity is there. All we need is to have a very efficient actually, uh, 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 mechanism to get our, our product out of the country. But that also has an issue with the freight uh, leg of the of this uh, logistics business. Mm, mm. And uh, any guesses from your end, I mean, of this global ports operator uh, who is expected to come in here? And I guess the other implication is at a financial level, one would get, I guess, the, you know, capital structuring in a SPV and what all of that might mean and that SPV raising capital. Something entirely different if you get somebody who's also a terminal operator uh, because then it, I guess, has implications on, you know, how you are running the ports, the role of your existing sort of operational infrastructure, and whether or not that effectively will be replaced um, or complemented, um, in some cases, by the new terminal operator who's now part of the uh, ownership structure, I guess, of the ports. Yeah, I, I think my, my little concern about the, the the fact that it's going to be international operator now, Twitter, there is a limited skill in the country of uh, uh, port operation. But uh, my only concern is that you could get into a situation where the international operator would be involved in a value chain somewhere and they might actually try and favor their own uh, uh, value chain in in actually exercising this uh, Mm -hmm. management of the port. So there could be a risk uh, from that level. But I think where the government is trying to look at this is to look at the the funding. And if funding is overemphasized, we could give away a lot on the uh, operational side Mm. and the value for the country.
uh, as a whole. Yeah, and I guess that's where that's the nub of it. Um, I mean, in the operations side, that's where some of the value is created. And I think often the focus is just on how do we deal with this debt burden? How do we deal with, you know, especially when it comes to SOEs, how do we deal with this uh, seemingly um, intendable uh, financial situation rather than actually, I guess, solving for some of the operational issues as well. But um, yeah, yeah. Any other comment just on that one? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, no. What I was saying is, I mean, the, the, a very good example is uh, if the operator takes over and suddenly uh, pushes the fees up mm. uh, for for export, and maybe they're getting paid better for for importing things, and they they start trying to play those type of uh, games where they try to arbitrage. Uh, import versus export. So mm. the guys that are taking stuff out out of South Africa might then get penalized, and then the guys that are bringing stuff in are paying better price in any case, and maybe they benefit that way. So mm. there is a bit of a risk from that perspective. And like you say, uh, you know, they're, they're in a bid to solve the financial problem, we might end up uh, uh, doing something that may not be in our best interest in the long term as a country. Yeah, yeah. Let's shift away, I guess, from the ports and uh, certainly a story that uh, will continue to unfold. And uh, yeah, I can imagine that we're going to be talking about that one when uh, that evaluation process and all of the processes associated with uh, setting up that SPV is concluded. Uh, but let's shift to Gramstown, formerly known as Gramstown, I should say, Makanda, uh, where, yeah, the Eastern Cape High Court uh, effectively, I guess, um, as well I can, I don't understand the legalese of it, so maybe you must walk me through this. But they've effectively there, the court, uh, uh, Justice Blum has effectively, I guess, said, look, you know, you guys trying to, I guess, get leave to appeal my decision that I made in December. Uh, certainly has no prospects for success and will not be in furtherance of the law. What do you make uh, of this? And I guess, uh, what does it mean in the broader timelines of when all of these seismic surveys were set to uh, happen on the wild coast? Yeah, I, I think, I think first of all, I mean, I, I think the, it's, a, it's a good decision from the perspective for, for the benefit of the communities. Mm. I think uh, the big companies... Uh, as we've seen over the years, and, and, and particularly in our continent, that the, the big companies come from uh, foreign markets and come and exploit our resources here, and then we get left with environmental issues, we get left with uh, uh, devastation of our way of life, uh, and we, we, we are not being engaged, or there's no plan that is being put in place to say, if this is the impact, this is how we're going to take care of you. And I think that the communities have stood up against this, and uh, uh, the, the, the court was saying that the, the fact that they were going to do these uh, surveys, and they said not before December 2022, and probably uh, in, in May 2023, uh, the court said, well, th- there is no point in appealing this decision when mm. the main uh, application is still uh, uh, pending. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and Kwame, I mean, when we look at this particular one, you know, it's, it's indicative of something bigger because there's, on the other hand, this discourse, and I think we heard the Minister of Mineral Resources and Energy speaking to this uh, in Parliament over the last few days or so, saying, you know, we want to be poor people with very uh, clean hands. I think there's something to that effect. Um, and it does seem no. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm not quoting him verbatim, so, so yeah, I must sure. be, I must be wrapped over the knuckles for that. But I, I no, guess no, 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 you won't yeah. be. Uh, you, you paraphrasing. <laughs> but I'm just paraphrasing him. But I, I do get a sense that there are certain polar positions that have been held 
on this debate around you know the energy fuel and gas transitions uh, that we see um and, and i'm quite interested i guess from an investor perspective what all of that means because we know many of you in the capital markets uh, have ceased now to fund you know fossil fuel driven types of energy investments and yet on the other hand people are now in court uh, thinking about a survey to potentially explore the possibility of setting one up here in South Africa. Just somewhere, somehow, there's something in Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think the, the, the one way to, to frame it uh, from an investment perspective is to think about the environmental, social, and governance issues. Mm. Uh, in that there may be social, a social impact uh, on these wild coast communities, and it's not being taken into account, mm. or at least they're not being engaged in a manner that satisfies their uh, uh, concerns. And that, that is a social risk for, for, for that kind of project. So if you are going to fund it, you might end up with a situation where the, you're being challenged or, uh, uh, or the project is being challenged and you get stoppages, and you end up with a capital that cannot be returned to the owners because their project cannot continue. So, so I certainly think that there is also an environmental issue here. I mean, there mm. all, all these uh, projects, that massive projects that extract uh, resources from uh, the seabed, sometimes things go wrong and the impact on the environment is significant. Uh, and we don't necessarily see plans by these companies to uh, assist and, and rehabilitate yes. uh, the, the, the society and, the, and the, the environment. So I do think that there, there is a concern, and certainly from our perspective, mm. the concern would be the environmental and social issues that are related to that. There may be governance issues where uh, there is a push and the process hasn't been followed through. For example, in court, it was highlighted that the environmental application that there should have been an environmental authorization mm. uh, that was obtained from the minerals department and wasn't done so so that that would be a governance issue so so there the, the are concerns that i would personally have and probably benguela would have as a, as a, as a firm mm. but it, it is a risk to the people who provide capital to that because the, the story that's been sold is that you will, it will uh, benefit the country, but who are the shareholders in all these uh, uh, structures? Is it the transparent structure? Mm. You know, that, those are some of the, the concerns that uh, I would have. Yeah, and I guess sometimes, you know, Kwabe, a lot of these risks that you're mentioning are often understated, not priced in into, you know, the returns or the hurdle rates that uh, are needed in some of these projects, um, be it the environmental ones or even the social ones. I mean, to have an entire uproar of many people in those parts of the world against your company. So he doesn't do much uh, by way of goodwill. But let's shift to home yeah. choice. Um, I mean, I always find the announcements that come through from this particular company very interesting. Uh, many <laughs> of us would know them traditionally for kitchen, bedding sets, quilts, bed covers, you know. But uh, have a much wider and a diverse offering now, um, you know, from high-end branded, you know, uh, electronics appliances. Uh, and uh, they've now, I guess... Yeah, put their money where their mouths are. They had said at some stage that they're going to go for a fintech play. And it seems they've gone into the buy now, pay later space. Uh, talk to me about that acquisition there. It certainly has a few people uh, talking about it on Twitter as well. Yeah, uh, I think the, 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 the great thing about the, the, the move is that they've now put money to back the strategy up. So the, the pay now 
uh, or the buy now, pay later strategy. I mean, it's nothing other than credit uh, sales. But basically, it looks like they're getting this uh, pay just now, which is a, in the old uh, language, used to be called a laid-by kind of uh, uh, purchase, uh, where you could either uh, store money in your wallet and, and pay the, the item over time interest-free, or you could actually uh, just uh, pay, make a payment into the account, and the account transfers the money to what you are buying. The point about it here is that they are acquiring a piece of technology that they probably didn't have, and that's why now mm. uh, they talk about moving into fintech, and uh, they, they, they are talking about uh, rebranding this business. It's been rebranded to Viva. But I think the attraction about it is that it can now cross multiple uh, uh, vendors. So instead of just selling, uh, being able to, to service only their own uh, sales, they could go service other uh, uh, service providers or the, the merchandise providers, provided that they are registered with this platform. Mm. So, so I think that opens up the opportunity for them to generate more fees as a fintech business over and above the traditional uh, stuff that we know mm. on, the, on the retail side. Yeah. Talk to me about the potential cross-sell opportunities here. Because effectively, I mean, if you are bringing together massive customer bases on your fintech offering and even on the buy now pay later story um bringing them under one umbrella but using then this buy now pay later strategy which is really an inversion of the lay buy basically i mean it's yeah. just the other way of, of you know around um yeah. and that surely is going to mean that you use that to fly more of your own home choice inventory much faster on the platform and I guess effectively also sell a lot more of your financial products and even some of the value-added services, electricity, airtime, all of that. Yeah, certainly it would probably benefit them uh, in that sense that their products still have to compete against the other products in the market, both in terms of quality Mm, and price. So, So I think the benefit that they might have in this in this case, is that if customers who have a wallet with them uh, don't find a attractively priced item on their platform, and somebody else who's already part of this network uh, has a product at a lower uh, price, they can still capture the fee, the the, the transactional fee mm-hmm. there for for facilitating the transaction uh, for the third party. So so that's where the fintech. Uh, value add would come in is that you know you you support your own platform but let's say from a pure fundamental perspective that your product is not good enough or your price is too high mm. somebody else on the platform can offer the same thing uh, but at a lower price sure. you still then capture something out of it yeah yeah we're gonna have to leave it there my brother but uh, quite an interesting one i mean uh, i was sitting there my concern was uh, I mean, the, the convenience with, it, with which this now allows many of uh, Omamabe to, to acquire what they need, even when I guess the cash might not be on hand, uh, yeah. I think might also present its own complications and challenges. But we're going to have to leave it there. As always, a pleasure catching up with you. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Aya. That there was Kwabe. Uh,